Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. I had a question that I really felt the need to deal with today. This is something that's very popular in a lot of churches today. And certain denominations are even built on this. And we need to see what Scripture says. And that is, I was asked the question, what exactly is speaking in tongues? So I want us to look today at what is speaking in tongues. The best place to go to get started about what is speaking in tongues is Acts chapter 2. And here again, what we're going to do is we're going to look and see what Scripture says speaking in tongues is. Then we're going to look at what is being done in the churches today that is called speaking in tongues. And does it square with Scripture? Acts chapter 2. This is on the day of Pentecost. They're all gathered together. Acts chapter 2, I was going to start at verse 4. Let's just go ahead and start 1. Verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Assyria, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking them said they're full of wine. So here's what we see here. We look in verse 6. Says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Verse 8, and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? When they were speaking in tongues, and there's a couple other examples in the book of Acts, but when they were speaking in tongues, the people hearing it were hearing it in their native tongue, in their own language. So, first thing about speaking in tongues. It's a known language. Every biblical example of speaking in tongues is they're speaking in a known language. They aren't speaking gibberish. They aren't speaking a bunch of utterances that nobody understands. They're speaking in a known language. The purpose of this goes beyond what you glean just from the book of Acts. Okay, there's, there's Jews there from all these different nations, and they came together because they're there for the holidays, and people are speaking in their languages. Oh, that's really neat. They all get to hear the message of God in their own language. 
Understand it is much more than that. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. This was a warning from that Isaiah delivered to the people. It was the warning of judgment against the nation of Judah. They were going to be invaded by the Assyrians. And this reference here that they would be hearing another tongue, it's the tongue of the Assyrians when they invaded them. This was their judgment for Israel rejecting God. And Isaiah is warning them that you're going to hear this other voice and you don't even hear. That was the first warning to the nation of Israel that judgment was coming. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 15, he says, Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation. A nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. He's speaking of the Babylonians that the Babylonians would come and destroy them. It was going to be a language that they wouldn't understand. And that's exactly what happened. The Babylonians came and destroyed them. This was warning about judgment coming. Here in the book of Acts, this is the third warning to the nation of Israel about judgment coming. The reason that they spoke in tongues is that based on their understanding of Isaiah, based on their understanding of Jeremiah, they should have understood this. Okay, foreign tongues. What's going on here? Wait a minute. We've seen this before in Isaiah and we've seen this before in Jeremiah. There's pending judgment on the nation of Israel. Peter says there on the day of Pentecost, he's warning them. And he says, in verse 22, you know, men of Israel, hear these words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. And then he says here in in, uh, verse 36, he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So this was the warning. He's addressing the men of Israel. Look, you have crucified Christ. The purpose of the speaking in tongues was so that they would recognize the judgment coming. Basically, it was a warning that it was that the house of Israel was going to be cut off and that another language, that would be the languages of the Gentiles, would be the mouthpiece for God. And that's exactly what has happened since the, you know, the formation of the church under Christ in the book of Acts is the nation of Israel no longer has that special position of God, but it's the Gentiles in their languages that have been those that have been spreading the gospel message. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. Paul says, in the law it is written, and then he quotes Isaiah. With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me. Again, it's meaning that other people are going to speak for God, and yet the nation of Israel will not hear them. Verse 22. These are some of the key verses on understanding how tongues operated 
Therefore, verse 22, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So let's, let's hang on here for a second and look at this. Verse 22, Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. The purpose of men speaking in tongues was a sign to the unbelievers. It was a sign to the it was a sign to the men of Israel who had rejected God. It's a sign to those who are unbelievers. So for me to speak in tongues in a church full of believers, there would be no purpose. Let's say for illustrative purposes, let's say I had a real gift of speaking in tongues. Well, if I did that in a church full of believers, there would be no point because it's a sign for the unbelievers. What Paul is saying here is prophecy, speaking of truth, to edify and to exhort is for believers. That's why we do that in the church. That's for believers. But, for, but the speaking in tongues was for the unbelievers. Verse 23, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by others. There, Paul's just making that point that there's no benefit if I speak in tongues to someone who's already a believer. And if I have an unbeliever comes into my church and I speak in tongues, he's going to say, you're crazy. This is why the gift of speaking in tongues, what they call the sign gifts or the apostolic gifts, no longer exist today. They were for a specific period of time for a specific purpose. The period of time was during Pentecost and the early church. The purpose was to bring judgment to make judgment known against the unbelieving nation of Israel. It was the the sign gifts, of which speaking in tongues is one of them, was for a specific purpose at a specific time and no longer exists today. The purpose was, during Pentecost and the early church, it was a sign to unbelieving Israel. And that was the purpose was for them to realize that judgment was coming. That purpose no longer exists. Because now the Gentiles of the world are the ones that are bringing forth God's message. And it doesn't matter now if you're Jew or Gentile. Jew no longer has that position with Christ or has that position with God. And as Paul makes the point here, if an unbeliever is in our church today, he's just going to think you're crazy. So it, it, it serves no purpose with believers and it serves no purpose with unbelievers. Its purpose has expired. Verse 27 Still in 1 Corinthians 15 here, or 14 here, uh, verse 27. Understanding that the, the gift of tongues at this point had not totally gone away. It was still existing. The problem is the church at Corinth was placing so much emphasis on the, the gift of speaking in tongues that they thought it was this great, you know, godly thing if they all could speak tongues and they were you know, all doing it and everything. And so Paul is trying to get them to understand and get it in the proper perspective. So recognizing the fact that 
The gift is only for a certain period of time, but yet when Paul's writing this, it still is in existence. It hasn't gone completely away yet. It goes away when the apostles are all gone. Um, And actually, we see throughout the book of Acts, after Pentecost, it's only mentioned two more times, which shows us how how less important it became. But here in in, uh, verse 27, he says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. So Paul is saying that if you have the legitimate gift of tongues and you're going to use it, two can use it or at the most three. And when you do it, take turns and someone should be there to interpret it. So that, for instance, to kind of put it in a picture for you, if we were at that church at that time when that was happening and you're speaking in Greek and you're speaking in French, then you speak first and somebody interprets it for those that don't understand. And then you speak second and somebody interprets it for those who don't understand. He says, and then verse 28, But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So if you had a legitimate gift of tongues and there was nobody there in the church to interpret for you, Paul says you sit there quietly and you commune with God. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. And we kind of had talked about that earlier when we were talking about prophecy. And, and, and actually that that's, doesn't necessarily relate other than the fact that it shows that In Paul's eyes, prophecy was much more important than the speaking in tongues. Now, that is a description of what biblical speaking in tongues is. It was a gift for a short period of time for a specific purpose. It was speaking in a known language. Typically, the person speaking did not know the language, but was speaking in a language that the hearer knew. It was done for the purpose of the unbelievers to understand judgment. It had no benefit to believers. If you were going to speak in tongues, two, three at the most, took turns, somebody was to interpret. If nobody was there to interpret, you kept quiet. That's biblical speaking in tongues. Now, I think we all have probably seen what churches today call speaking in tongues. And every example I've ever seen, it's been people just, talking gibberish, mumbling, saying a whole bunch of unintelligible syllables. I've never seen an example where somebody spoke in tongues where somebody was interpreting. I've never seen an example where somebody spoke in tongues where somebody could identify that it was even a known language. This is something that has been greatly abused in the church today because we've got a whole movement that is teaching that speaking in tongues is this, it's like a special language between you and God and it's just syllables and gibberish and one of the most egregious abuses I've ever seen of it, and I won't mention Rod Parsley by name, but I was, I was, watching, I was watching one time, uh, I believe he was doing a, a revival or a whatever, and I think it was in Indiana, it might have been in Indianapolis, but it was one of these where there's a arena there's like 10,000 people, literally 10,000 people there. And he's standing up there on the stage and he commands the entire audience to stand up and to start speaking in tongues. And he repeatedly commands them to speak in tongues. 
And, and, the, and you see this camera panning over the audience, and everybody's standing there, and they got their arms raised up, and they're all doing this gibberish kind of stuff. We know, biblically, that that gift doesn't exist today. But if, let's just say if we gave it the benefit of the doubt and said, okay, the gift of speaking in tongues still exists today, he violated all the rules there. He had 10,000 people doing it all at one time, not two or three, not taking turns. I didn't see anybody interpreting. And I mean, it was just a... And sadly, there are churches that teach that that is a legitimate gift. And it bears no resemblance to what takes place in the Bible. The other question is, if I stand there, sit there, speaking gibberish that nobody else understands, what is the benefit? We can talk to God in prayer. We can talk to God in our own language and talk to God in prayer. I can talk to you in a language that you understand and edify you and encourage you and build you up and teach you. But if I stand here and talk gibberish, who does that edify? Sadly, what we see in the church today, the only people getting, quote, edified are the individuals doing it because they get a false sense of their spiritual maturity. They're taught that they're more spiritually mature if they do that. But yet it's, there, is, there is no benefit there. There is no benefit. And it's not biblical. That's biblical speaking in tongues. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.